Hey everyone, welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and today we have part two of my dear friend Lindsay Barnsley's story about her experience with postpartum psychosis. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, please go back. It's just one episode before this one to listen to part one so you can get caught up. But as of now, for today's episode, she's going to begin with her admittance in the psychiatric hospital, and she talks about her stay there, what led to that point, and what types of hallucinations and experiences she had while in the hospital. So thank you all so much. I just, I really want to say thank you for those of you who responded so well to the first episode, for sharing it like you did, and bringing awareness. I cannot even tell you the number of messages that I received saying, one, I had no idea that this even existed and neither did I before hearing Lindsay's story, or two, I went through something like this and it's never talked about. So thank you for sharing. And so um, kudos to Lindsay for being brave and vulnerable and sharing and kudos to all of you for sharing it and making others aware so that moms don't feel so alone. Also, if you haven't had a chance to subscribe, rate, and review, please take 30 seconds to do so. I know it's annoying to ask, but if you could just click the subscribe button, it will notify you on Mondays when we have new episodes out on faith and relationships and hard topics that people don't always discuss. That's what we are all about. And then rating and reviewing just helps to get interviewees like Lindsay on the show to share their stories. So thank you all so much as always. And let's jump into today's episode. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You'll hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. So we were taken into this room. So it was just Jesse and me. Jesse had obviously, I guess, gone back to our house to pack up a few things for me to bring. I told him I wanted my Bible for sure. And then he obviously brought clothes and stuff. So we went into the room and I remember this man... He had to look through every single thing and looked at my Bible and pulled out the ribbon. And he said, you can't have this. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, it's a strangulation hazard. And I was like, well, I want my Bible. And so he cut it out. And then, I mean, looking through my underwear, it was just, you know, invasive. Yeah. Invasive. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything he had to check because I was at risk and it, and, um, or if not me, someone else could get a hold of it. Yeah. I brought my my pump with me. I had to keep that behind the desk because they wouldn't allow me to have it because it had the cords. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, it's hard because ultimately I had to bring it so I could pump and dump. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, that was hard for me because I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. I was wanting to all nurse. This, I was wanting to nurse. Yeah. All this was going so well until all this happened. And, um, so he took me back to my room. And so I had to say bye to Jesse. He takes me in and he, you know, to see my room. And I remember, I remember seeing a girl in there that just looked like she was just really struggling. And he had said that she's coming off of a, um, she's detoxing. She's coming, coming off an addiction. And I was scared. And I said, I don't know. I don't know if I can be in here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know why I'm in here to begin with. So I don't know what's going on. And so I, I, I asked the lady at the front desk, can I get a new room? So she brought me to this room and I remember, um, no one was in there, but on the wall, there was a lot of like colorings and drawings of, you know, crosses and nature and butterflies. And, and I thought like, okay, you can do this, Lindsay, you know? And so I kind of checked everything out. It was just like a one wing, but it was co-ed. So it was everyone. I mean, just, it's hard to describe, but when you're in a place like that, you've got so many different types of illnesses going on and they're all together. Mm -hmm. And so you've got, um, I'll never forget this one guy came in, um, after me and he was so angry. He just came and just punched the walls and I was right there. And so it scared me initially. Um, but I looked at him and after he kind of calmed down a minute, I just said, hi, Lindsay, you know, what's your name? And he started to calm down and he told me that he played division one basketball. And, you know, I don't know why he was in there, but we started talking about God. And so I was like, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And I remember finally kind of getting a little bit of a peace in there because of the people that I met. So my roommate ended up being, she was Native American and she was homeless. And I guess she was picked up off the streets. She was abused. When you're in the hospital, you're in a place where you're realizing, okay, I'm in here for a reason, but I don't know why type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of here and I know I'm here. You're aware, you have the awareness of your surroundings, but everything is skewed. So was there like, would you say like a 50-50 balance of reality versus hallucinations and crazy thoughts? Or was it more crazy thoughts than reality? Not crazy, but wild thoughts. Yeah. You know, Lynn, it's so hard to know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because you can't discern which is which. I yeah. I didn't. I wasn't, I'm not able to look back and say that actually happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like certain things actually happened, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. And so I know there's, there's another mom in there. She had tried to commit suicide in front of her kids. Mm-hmm. And so she was in there. And so we had a lot to talk to or talk to each other about. There was a younger girl in there that just looked like she had been almost neglected And so she just, it was like her, she acted a lot younger than she really was. Mm -hmm. A lot of hurting people. Oh, a lot. And um, I felt like in that type of place, the hardest thing for me was that all these people hurting, all these people struggling with different things, there wasn't a lot of compassion. And I don't think I was wrong on that. 
but the people that worked there were, I don't know if they were overwhelmed or understaffed or just there for a job or they just had to be tough, but it was scary to me. And, you know, and I, I guess I kind of, I, I skipped a little bit, but when they brought me back the doors, you know, that closed behind me when we went in, they locked, you know, I mean, there was no way of getting out. And this and is so, a, a mental hospital technically would be the term, right? And yeah. did, did you have to agree to go? Did you have to sign something to say, I will go, or they put you in there? Um, I, I can't even remember if I signed anything, but I think I'm, I'm sure I had said, yeah, I'm willing to go because they put it like their way of making me go was saying, Lindsay, if you do this, you'll be able to go home faster. Okay. And so I wanted to come home. I wanted to see my babies. And so I was willing to do whatever it took. And I had no idea what these places were like. Right. I mean, you don't know um, until you're in there. And so, but I'll never forget just, you know, dinner and all the meals they, you have to line up on this wall and they call your name to see if you're there. And if you're not there, then you're not eating. And then the first night I was there after dinner, you come back and I had seen this little room that had kind of like a, it was locked. The door was locked, but it had almost like a, a window that, rolled up, you know? And so I had no idea what it was, but after dinner, they told us all to, you know, line up Mm -hmm. and they gave us each like this little cup and you go up to the window, you hold out your cup and they put your meds in there. Mm -hmm. And so I had no, again, I mean, I was still in this not trusting anybody stage and here's somebody's giving me pills that I have no idea what, what they are. Have you ever seen the movie girl interrupted? I think that's what it's called with Winona Ryder. I saw it so long ago. Anyway, there's a scene like that because I think they're in a mental hospital where that's exactly what it is. There's like a screen and then they go up to the window and do the pills. And then I think they don't take them because they don't know what's in them type of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a very strange situation. And, and in this place, I mean, they're watching you. You can't leave until you take them, mm-hmm. you know? And so I had done this and then all of a sudden it was like, I just became very sleepy. I felt like for the majority of my stay there, I was just sleepy and just still trying to figure everything out. And I'm sure it was the medication. Mm-hmm. And I think towards the end, I finally got the nerves to ask. Cause I didn't, I was nervous to question anything. Yeah. If that makes sense. I didn't know if they were going to do something else, if they were going to give me something else or, you know, at at first I was thinking they were all terrorists Mm -hmm. and then somehow came to the conclusion. And I know, and on my blog, it kind of gives a play by play of all of this, but, um, (laughs) I had for some reason thought that this is where El Chapo was tunneling to. Who's El Chapo? He's the big drug Lord. From Mexico. Okay. And so that was like big news around that time. Okay. And so for some reason, I thought he was making his way over to us. So it went from when you were in the hospital, you thought it was a sex trafficking ring. (laughs) And then you came to the mental hospital and it was, you thought that the people in there, like the helpers and nurses were terrorists or all of the people? Um, 
I thought, yeah, I thought that they were terrorists, like trying to, that they were all working for El Chapo, basically. Okay. You know, that, that he was coming and this is where, you know, all these people were going to be and, um, he could be in here, you know. And this started right when you got there, those thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I remember picking up the phone cause there's one phone in the hallway and I remember calling Jesse it terrified and just saying, you have to come get me. I mean, there are terrorists here and he's crying and he's saying, I can't, mm. I didn't understand it at that point. It's like, how dare you leave me at a place like this? That's so scary. So, you know, there was just a lot of uncertainty there. The only thing that we could really do was watch TV color. I felt like I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know? I felt like I was a child and I did, I ended up coloring a lot cause it was therapeutic for me. And that's yeah. probably why they had it in there. There was not a lot going on. And I just remember thinking, how long is this going to be? How long am I going to be in here? And finally, I remember new people showed up at the hospital and there were some younger people that had, I think it was ASU shirts on and it was like a team of them. And I still don't know who they were at this point. I'm pretty sure that they were there doing observations. Mm -hmm. And there was one lady that was kind of in like, like an exercise outfit. And I just remember thinking like, these people look normal there's hope, you know, that lady asked everybody on the floor, like who wants to go play volleyball? And I remember just being overwhelmed with excitement to get out of that little hall and to go into this gym that I didn't even know existed because they didn't even let us see it. And there was a couple other people, a couple other guys that went with us and we just got to play a little volleyball. And it was so therapeutic because it's like, here you are kept in this little dungeon, you feel like, Mm -hmm. and to do something normal was felt just so, you were just so relieved, you know? And then I was in there for nine days. So I believe it was maybe like day eight that they had let us know that doctors were going to come talk to us to see how we were doing. So did they, did you talk to doctors throughout this process or that was the only time you saw a doctor? So they weren't evaluating you. Wow. And you, Mm -hmm. I remember one part of your story and I may have this mixed, but with the El Chapo, you also felt like it was your job to save these people. Right. And were you sharing that with others? Like, were you telling them I'm here to save you or what did that look like? So, (laughs) There's a couple different things that I came up with in there. Um, A quick interruption because I am so giddy and excited to tell you guys about this. I've been trying to think of better ways to connect with all of you on an individual personal level. And I'm so excited to announce that I've created three new tiers on my Patreon account. The friendship thing, the coffee date thing, and the bestie thing. So for each tier on my Patreon account, which is patreon.com backslash living easy, 
I've given opportunities for all of us to connect in different ways. I'm going to be sending out my all-time favorite books list along with my favorite cold oats recipes. I'm giving access to the Living Easy with Lindsay Facebook page and the weekly application questions for each podcast episode. For the coffee date thing, I am doing a once a month Zoom chat, which I'm so excited about. And so we will have coffee together. I'll ask and answer questions. You guys can ask and answer questions and we will build a real life face-to-face friendship and can talk once a month about anything. For the bestie thing, I see you guys and I want others to see you too. And so I'm going to be doing a listener spotlight with one pledgeure of the bestie thing each month. The person chosen can record a two-ish minute recording of yourself, sharing your story, your business, or how you live easy, and I will play it on the air. Or if you prefer, I will promote your social media account to my 40,000 plus followers. So check out patreon.com backslash living easy to join the friendship thing, the coffee date thing, and the bestie thing. I, I don't think I really mentioned the El Chapo thing to them. Okay. I also remember it was the time that the Pope was coming to the United States. So he was in Washington, D.C., and I remember everybody watching it on on the news mm-hmm. and the in TV on the TV. And so I remember thinking, yeah. So, you know, like that's when I started telling people that in my mind, I thought the po- that El Chapo had made his way to the U S and that he disguised himself as the Pope. And now the Pope is in our country and he's getting closer. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so I started, I remember telling even the people that like the, um, the students and the people that had come, um, my theory and I just, they were just looking at me like, Oh really? You know, like, huh. Is that what you think? You know? Yeah. And I believed it all. And so I do remember feeling the other thing I remember seeing too, is I would take my Bible And I would just go read it by the door, like the end of the hall where there was like a window door. And I was reading it one day and I remember looking out and there were some construction workers out there that were building something. And I just remember thinking like, (laughs) those are the carpenters from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, so grateful and so thankful because hope had finally arrived, you know? Mm And, um, and did you feel like you were someone like, because you had mentioned you wanted to save people, did you feel like you were in a position of godliness or that heightened sense of, of self? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I felt like the beginning of my time there was so different than towards the end because the beginning was so scary and unknown and, I, I didn't know what was going on. And then it became to me more of a, um, this is, this is my mission. My mission is to tell these people in here that ultimately it's going to be okay. And, and if they didn't already know Jesus, I, I just felt like, yeah, it was, it was my job to, because it was such a scary place to bring everybody together and do little Bible studies and talk to them about God and that, you know, whatever it is, you know, that they're forgiven. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said before, there's just so many different cases in there, yeah. you know, 
it's hard because I know when we talk about mental illness in this country, I was able to see it firsthand and how poorly it's dealt with Mm -hmm. when everybody's kind of thrown together and you're just like living in these bedrooms with somebody else and you see everybody else and what they're going through and they're yelling or they're throwing up because they're still coming off of drugs or in your, you know, you see all this happening. It's almost harder to not to, to get out of your own head because for me, at least I was worried about them now. So, so you had said day eight, the doctor was coming in. Yeah. So they had several different doctors and they called us in one by one. Uh, Mine was a female doctor And she just basically, you know, kind of asked me how I was feeling. And, um, you know, she just had a lot of notes of what drugs I had been on. And again, I couldn't even tell you what I was on in there. Um, I would love to get those records someday Mm -hmm. and just kind of sort through them. But she ultimately came to the conclusion um, that it was okay for me to leave or to be discharged. And so the next day, um, cause the only times I got to see my family and kids were, we had visitation hours from like seven to seven thirty every night. Mm-hmm. So they would come visit me during that time. And I remember asking them to like, to bring extra stuff, like extra socks or extra hair ties for my roommate because she was homeless. She didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So that was the only time I could see them. But, um, And at the time of discharge, were you still feeling these feelings? Were you still having the same thoughts? Um, I think it kind of was slowing down a little bit because at this point it had been a good two and a half weeks of feeling this way, like on this high, you know, that was the mania psychosis part. Yeah. And um, so I would say when I, when I was discharged, I was super excited because I could go home, see my babies. But then as I was leaving, this, I'll ne- this man came walking by and I looked at my sister and I said, that's El Chapo. Oh. And I just remember thinking I barely escaped him. Mm. And so I was like, peace out. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going home. You didn't, you didn't get me, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it, it's like, literally, it's an unbelievable story that you really like can't make up, you know, because it's so wild. Yeah. When you talk to your sisters and your mom now, or I guess after, once you've kind of come out of this, how did they, what did they feel during that time? Um, You know, I think the biggest thing that my mom always says is she felt like she was visiting me in jail. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they had to bring me out And then I could only see them for a certain time. And then I had to go back in and just watching your daughter go through that. And, and me looking back on pictures around that time, I just looked like I had no life in me, you know, I mean, I was exhausted. My brain, like I said, was just working overtime and trying to figure out all these situations that it had come up with. And I was like trying to be super detective and paranoid. And I just, I was exhausted. And so, um, they were extremely sad, you know, to see their daughter and sister and that situation. Did they have fears that you would never 
go back to normal or was it something that they understood was maybe able to be figured out? You know, I think they all had fears of what's going to, what's the future going to look like, even though postpartum psychosis is temporary, you know, it's like seeing your daughter in this state, you, I think you're always going to have questions of, mm-hmm. is she ever going to be her again? Yeah. The, the sad thing was, is that this, that stage of the manic thinking and everything was almost easier than when I got home, because when I got home, it was, it had become, now I'm exhausted. I'm sad. I'm tired. I have no energy, no motivation. I can't get out of bed. Um, was it depression? Mm -hmm. So that turned, so all that, it's like basically that high came down Mm -hmm. to depression for that low. So, um, I was walking around the house just in a daze and slamming my fist on the counter and just saying, mom, I just wish my heart would stop, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that was ultimately the hardest part for her was to hear your, hear her daughter say, this is so anymore. miserable mm-hmm. that I don't even want to be here. And, um, so when so, you came home, were you, did, was there like an aha moment once all of the, the hallucinations and everything had passed where you said, Oh my gosh, I was there. Or was it kind of a tapering off where you just knew that it had happened and you were moving on? Um, I would say it, it was more of a tapering off type thing, um, where I just had to come to grips and, I started doing a lot of my own research on all of this. And I obviously, you know, once I got home, I saw my psychiatrist and she put me on some pretty heavy doses of um, mood stabilizers, antidepressants, and then anxiety medicine, because I couldn't even, I remember one time I went to lunch with my mom at a restaurant with no people in it. Mm -hmm. And I was so anxious. I couldn't even be there anymore. Um, it was, it was just crippling. I had to go through all of that, but the more I saw my psychiatrist, the more she kind of said a lot of this Lindsay was not real. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it took a lot for me to understand, like, why would my brain just make all of this up? Yeah. But she reassured me, you know, I mean, she she has a couple other moms that she works with one other mom, I guess, <laughs> bless her heart actually like ran naked across a golf course oh my gosh! and is just mortified, you know, and has never forgiven herself for it. And I feel like I came to a place in all of this where because of my faith, I absolutely 100% had to forgive myself from all of this. Mm-hmm. And the accusations I made against certain family members. Is that all um, forgiven? It is. uh, Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, everybody is probably closer than we ever were. Yeah. Um, Because now that they know this exists too. That it had nothing to do with them. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it was quite the ride. Oh, and then (laughs) the last part of this was all... um, after I, a couple weeks out, after I got home, I got a knock on the door. No one else was home but me. And this man was outside and I, he goes, hi, are you Lindsay? And I 
you know, I said, yeah. He goes, well, hi, my name is so-and-so from Child Protective Services. And I'm like, you know, of course I knew what that, knew what that was because yeah. I was a teacher and I had to call them. But I'm thinking, why are you here? So he says, can I come in? And so I let him come in and he says, are you aware that a case has been open on you? And I was like, um, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Why, what did I do wrong? You know, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking here I was taking my kids all around town to get them tested because I thought something horrible happened to them. I was protecting them to the utmost. And then I called 911 on myself, turned myself in basically. And then you're telling me that a case was open on me because I was either neglecting or abusing somebody, you know? And so it, that, at that moment, it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But that goes back to that um, social worker that was talking to me in the hospital and seeing how confused I was. I that think they don't just, know, like if you were the one who acted on it and then were confused by what happened. Or yeah, what, yeah. I mean, they're obligated to report that, you know? So I was furious because Jesse and my mom <laughs> knew that he was coming over. <laughs> and they didn't want to tell you. <laughs> no, they didn't want to tell me because I was such, I was so, you know, hanging by a thread anyways. Yeah. And they had had, they set up a time for him to come and, um, you know, looking back on it, I know they did all this just to protect me and they thought that was the best thing, but, oh, I was so mad at the time because I was like, you've got to be kidding all that I just went through. Now you're telling me that I had a case open on me, you know? So So how long did the psychosis last and how long did the depression last until you felt like fully human, fully Lindsay again? So it was, I'd say it was a couple months, but in, in that, during that time, my psychiatrist, you know, the medication she prescribed me, they don't always work and they don't always kind of jive with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so they had to switch them around and I'll, I'll never forget when, you know, I started taking them and I just felt horrible still. Um, my mom was like, honey, you have to give it time. They, they take four to six weeks to fully kick in. And I'm like, I don't have that time right now. Yeah. You know, I feel miserable. And so there was a lot of playing around to try to get the right medication, the right doses. Some of the mood stabilizers I was on, I just felt like I was just a zombie mm-hmm. because they just, they're designed to just keep you even, you know, just flatline you kind of your mind. Hello. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, the anxiety medicine was really the big life saver for me because I was just dealing with coming down from all of this and coping with the fact that all this happened. And then, you know, my, now I'm anxious as all get out. And so, and I remember even trying to go back to like little mom's group at my church and stuff like that. And I had to leave. I had to call my mom to come get me because I couldn't do it. Um, how did people respond after everything happened? Did you feel judgment? Did you feel compassion, encouragement? What was like your main experience with other people outside of your family? You know, I think everybody was confused probably, but they didn't, they didn't tell me that. Yeah. I am very vocal about what happened, my situation, my story, how I'm feeling. Like I remember telling, you know, people I have to leave. I don't feel very good, but I feel like it was 
an overwhelming love and, and compassion. I remember people bringing by um, meals and they would take, I had friends that would take the boys and just keep them at their house to play for a while just so I could rest, you know, cause Jesse, I mean, he had, he was balancing his time between taking care of me and work and he was taking off work to, you know, help out. And, um, obviously my mom, you know, I couldn't have done it without her. She, her, she stayed for so long and she stayed in, um, in a, in a bed in Branson's room. And she pretty much took care of him after this had happened starting month two. And, um, mama. Yeah, she was. And, you know, there's a lot of good people out there. And I, I think, you know, with all of this, it's made me realize just, you know, how precious life really is. Mm-hmm. I think um, sometimes you go through life and everything's going just, per- you know, not perfectly, but great. And uh, you think, you know, maybe sometimes that you're invincible mm-hmm. and you think, Things are just going to happen the way they happen. And then I think this was just such a, for me, it was such a God moment for him just to show me ultimately how powerful he was or is. And then in the end, what a healer he is also, because I couldn't have done this with just medication. And, you know, I, it took everything. It took family, it took friends, it took medication, it took doctors, it took um, counseling, it took therapy, it took me just spending time just, I, I'll never forget a mom that went through something similar to me or as me, she sent me this prayer journal that has all these encouraging verses in it. And I just remember reading that every day, you know, and just picking out a page and reading it and just and since then, it's been really cool because I had started a Facebook group called Postpartum Mamas. I started a while ago and me telling my story ultimately led to a lot of people coming out and telling their stories. And through that page, I've been able to send that same prayer journal out to friends or people I don't even know actually. Or a couple months ago, I got a phone call from somebody that had heard my story that has a friend that is going through something similar. And she wanted to know if her mom could call me. And, you know, I think, for me, it's like absolutely 100%. You know, I see now why I was put through this. It broke me to my core 100%. But then knowing that you can comfort others as God had comforted you. Absolutely. And yeah, beauty comes from ashes. You know, I mean, it just I always call it like my beautiful mess, you know, is just because it was just so messy and so crazy and just nothing I could have ever dreamed up. I think it was necessary to change me and then ultimately, you know, hopefully help others too. Yeah. And I remember, I remember that group and I remember that being helpful for me. I think that was the first place I saw your story was on that group and someone had invited me. And then watching others kind of express what they had gone through was finally one of the pieces of awareness that I needed. And I love that you talk about so many aspects, Lynn, because I I just want moms, husbands to hear this. Mm -hmm. One, medicine, even though you're a Christian, is not the enemy. It can be massively helpful and beneficial. And I am the person where I was like, I don't want to get on anxiety medication. I don't know what it's going to do. 
but I regret so much not just trying it um, because I think I would have had a lot more months with my son that I actually enjoyed him and that you talk about community and people coming into this and seeing others who struggle with depression and anxiety and not just writing it off because it's literally like the fourth trimester of pregnancy and it can be massively more detrimental and harmful and painful than pregnancy when it comes to hormones because your body is going through so much while taking on a completely new role of a mama. And so having that, the love and the compassion and not just saying, oh, she's going through baby blues and she'll get past it, but to really come alongside new moms and to love on them and to, like you're saying, send them a prayer journal, check in on them, take them Mm -hmm. food, clean their house. Like they don't need to ask for that. Just be a presence because sometimes in that presence, like my friend was to me, it just kind of came out as a regular conversation. Whereas I wouldn't have called her and told her, but she showed up at my house. She knew something was up and she would show up at my house, just clean and cook. And like, she was just so available, medicine, community, honesty, and openness and not allowing shame to take over. And so I'm just so thankful for you, Lindsay, to, for your willingness to share, because I know, I mean, it's a lot, like it, it took a toll on your family. It took a toll on you. But like you're saying, I think Jesus is using this experience in your life to minister to so many women. And I pray that this episode, you know, maybe reaches somebody who knows somebody that needs help because the stories that we hear, I think it's easy to judge the mom who drives her car into the river or the mom who puts her baby in the oven. I remember reading that story and being Mm, horrified, but you have no idea what the mental stability level is at that point because of hormones. So what would your encouragement be, Lens, to moms, new moms, um, upcoming mamas who are struggling, or maybe moms who have gone through something similar and feel a lot of shame? What would your words be to those people? You know, I think, I think starting with new mamas, um, I think the most important thing you can do is educate yourself and your husband and maybe even your family members. Yeah. I wish that, again, there is more out there that we had known that this could be a possibility, even though it's one to two and one every 1,000 deliveries. It still happens. That's still a lot. That seems it like is. still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I don't even, I mean, there could be more than that. Mm-hmm. But just educating yourself what could happen Um, having your spouse be aware because like my story, I didn't think anything was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So even if, okay, so we, we checked all of the boxes, right? We had a great delivery. We went home. I went to my six week checkup, talked to my doctor, told him how wonderful I feel. Mm -hmm. And I left and nothing could have prepared me for this. So if possibly, maybe my husband or family members would have known that this could happen or what to look for because I was acting so strange. I can't believe I actually convinced everybody that (laughs) what was happening in my mind was reality, you know? And so, um, that's number one. Um, number two, I think having that community, like you said, around you, um, you know, I, I am very, very blessed with 
my friends and um, our church. And they always set up, you know, meal trains for new moms and just things like that. Like you said, even if a friend can come over and talk to you, mm-hmm. clean, help you with some dishes, because after the baby's born, everybody wants to come over and see the baby. Mm-hmm. And rarely are we checked up on mom as mom. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've made it a big point for every new mom that I know to just send them a quick text message and say, how do you feel? Yeah. How are you doing? You know, I mean, I love seeing your baby pictures 100%, mm-hmm. but how are you, you know, or bringing them meals or, um, you know, or even, even if they do have other kids too, you know, I know, um, a new, a friend of mine just had her third and it was just an overwhelming situation because, you know, obviously they were quarantined and, um, she just had a new baby and her kids were just bouncing off the walls. Her husband was going nuts. And so he reached out to my husband and was like, is there any way we can come swim at your pool? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. You yeah. know, I mean, because I think sometimes us moms just need to have that quiet time, mm-hmm. you know, to be alone. Um, but yeah, checking in and then just, just doing anything that you can. And, and not the biggest thing I've learned through all of this is we can't feel guilt or shame for what we go through. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm naturally a person that's hard on myself. I've always <laughs> been that way. Yeah. And I've always been a perfectionist. And I would say because of all this, it's almost like all that has gotten, gotten squashed. And I've given myself a lot more grace Yeah, because I now know what it looks to be like at rock bottom and I've felt it. And I know that, you know, if I have dishes in the sink, is that really going to, you know, make me a better mom or make me a better human? Absolutely not. Is it going to bring more joy to my heart to be able to sit with my child and read them a story or play a silly game with them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or not even involving anybody. Is it okay to take time for myself and either go lay on my bed, turn on some music I love, go for a drive, you know, and this is all saying, you know, if you have somebody else to watch your kids for a minute, yeah. but, or take care of yourself, you know, self-care is huge. I feel like, you know, through all of this being sent to different doctors, I've seen a naturopath. I've gone to count different counselors. I've, I've gone to so many things and people that um, have ultimately helped me recover and heal, you know, heal myself and, and have let me know that it's okay. You know, I mean, that trauma, that, that, time frame that I went through that doesn't define me yeah. at all. Um, and it's, you know, what you do with it, I think is the you know important thing and anything in life is when we're given that sort of, you know, trial, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard and it's going to be a huge interruption in our life and others around us. 
But if we can just, um, you know, once, like I said, everything, and it takes, it, it takes time, but, um, what we do with it is ultimately, you know, what God wants us to be doing, Amen. you know, yeah. it's, it's all, it's all for his glory. And I think it comes as a shock for people to hear me say that, like even my own family, they, they ask me questions about it. And it's like, I wouldn't change it for anything because as awful as it was, I became a much stronger person and I became a lot closer to God because of this, Yeah, you know? So well, thank you. That is so, I mean, so encouraging. And I just pray that the women listening to this, that they, cause I mean, even for me, like I mentioned, I think I still, when I think back to those days, feel that sense of shame and I guess remorse for not spending that time. And it was a few months that, I mean, I was obviously very much there, but mentally yeah. I was not there with my son. And but the opportunity to be able to share that and to not allow the shame is in our weakness, Jesus is strong and he's glorified and he's made much of because we're able to say, I don't have it all together. I'm a perfectionist like you. And, and I want to be able to say, oh yeah, like motherhood is just push him <laughs> out and you just enjoy the ride, you know, like it's all good. And that hasn't been my story. And so I just, I thank you so much for being brave and being open and allowing God to use you as just a voice for these women. And so, um, can you share where our listeners can find you and maybe more of your story if they want to read into it? Yeah. So I decided to kind of, um, you know, everybody had been kind of pushing me a little bit to do more. And yeah. so I wasn't sure I wanted to, but, um, and in all honesty, during this quarantine, since I've become a new teacher, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have not blogged since this happened. Understandably. That, yes. Yeah. And that is okay. And it like is. I said, you got to give yourself some grace yes. and we'll pick up when I have more time. But, um, my blog is loving and Lin loving and living with Lindsay. Com. And I know it's a, it's a hard thing to say. <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> I don't know why all I did L's. that to myself, but <laughs> all the L's. So, um, but on there, I just try to like, I try to keep it positive. I try to do like a little, um, motivational Monday. Um, okay. and then there's things on there, some recipes, some kid things, some stories I, I put under there. Um, it's like a five part series that I go and tell my story on there. Um, but yeah, I would love, you know, if any of you out there know of a mom that is struggling, um, I absolutely am here. You can message me on, um, my blog, you, or email me. I am just, it's near and dear to my heart. And I, I get so emotional and I, like you said, Lindsay, even when you hear moms, um, you know, on the news that just do something awful to their children in my heart, I deep down know it's probably something what I like what I went through. Mm. And I was fortunate. I was very, very fortunate to not have anything significant come out of it. Mm. And, um, so yeah, just please, um, reach out for help. If, if you, you or somebody else that, you know, is struggling, the biggest and most courageous thing you can do is reach out 
to your doctor for help and be honest with them exactly how you feel. If you feel like you're going to hurt your child, if you feel like you're going to hurt yourself, if you feel like you're seeing things on your kids' faces, you need to be honest about it. It's not going to get you in trouble. Um, I, it's going to get you the help you need, you know, quicker. And like you said, I think a lot of times these things can, some people ride them out for a while and ultimately it ends up being okay, but you, you suffer, you know, and, um, and the people in your life suffer because they they, do. Yeah. And, and not that you're putting that on them, but that if you can have that awareness, like you said, from the beginning, to where you can all work through it together and your spouse is knowing my wife isn't broken. Like my husband kind of thought I was broken for a while. I, he had no idea what was wrong. And so he kind of withdrew because I was angry and frustrated and confused and emotional all the time. And he just thought, this is my new life, you know? And so there's that general understanding and education of what it can be. And so then therefore your family is able to help rather than hurt at the same time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and you know, too, I think going with, and the family situation, they don't always know what's going to help. (laughs) You know, I know, I know there's sometimes that people will comment, you know, oh, you know, you don't feel like that. And it's like, yes, I do, you know, and they're trying to make it better but it's not making it better. And so just, um, yeah, educating yourself and in these situations, um, of just how to deal with these. And that's why I think some, you know, usually going to the professionals is, is helpful. Or even if it's a, um, I think I'm pretty sure you need to probably see a doctor in order to be referred to a psychiatrist or, and then ultimately from there, you know, you go see a psychologist or a counselor, to kind of help you deal, um, with everything. But, um, you know, I think we need to use these people, the, these experts yeah. you know, that can help us so much because even though it was a long journey afterwards, trying to figure out medications, I mean, thank goodness. Do you I still have to take medication now? I do. I've okay. been cut down a lot, yeah. but, um, I, you know, the option is, um, you know, there's a risk of, you know, certain like manic episodes Mm. to come back. And so that is why I'm still on medication. And as much as I don't want to be, and as much as I was trying to convince my naturopath that I don't want to be, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, it's just, I, I had to think of it I had to almost take myself out of the equation and say, what is best for my family? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be the best wife and mom and daughter and sister that I can be and friend. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what the future looks like, but as of now I feel great. And so that's, it's kind of the same thing as like when people have to go on antidepressants. So I'm not, I'm not on any of those anymore, but when people go on those, um, they start feeling better yeah. and then they say, I'm going to get off. And it's like, Oh no, you know, I mean, and, and, and maybe there's a time and place, but not all the time is it healthy to just decide to get off, like you know, turkey. because yeah. 
those things can come back. Yeah. And never do a cold yeah. turkey because then you have side effects you don't want either. So, oh. Yeah. That's good to know. Well, I'm so yeah. happy for you. I'm so happy for your Thank family you. that you have overcome and that you still love Jesus because I know a lot of people would see a trial like this and think, could see a trial like this and think, God abandoned me. What is he doing? But for you to point it back to him and say he's used it for his good, which he promises in his book in Romans, that he'll use all things toward good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so you're doing that. You've done that. And um, I'm just so inspired by you and encouraged by you. And I want to say thank you so much for being willing to talk to me. Uh, And next time I'm in Arizona, I visit a lot. One of my best friends lives there. So we'll have to get coffee and just hang out. I would love that. I would love to. And thank you, Lynn. Like I said, too. I mean, it's it's anybody that is willing to shed more light on this topic. It's just, it's so beneficial because you see, you see more people talking about it than they used to. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think to end my husband and I, our, our dream would be to start a postpartum clinic, like a big, just a big center for any and all kinds of issues and dealing with postpartum, you know, whether that be depression or anxiety or psychosis or OCD or anything, um, just a place for moms to come and just rest and get the treatment they need. And so they don't have to be put in to a psychiatric hospital where they don't even understand, you know, why they're there. And you're just, you're just kind of thrown in with everybody else. And I think this, you know, it just affects so many of us. And I think in a world like we live in today, even though we have so many things to connect with other people like social media, I think a lot of times we do feel so alone. And so knowing that if you are going through something like this, you are not alone. That is the biggest, biggest key. And I will personally call you and tell you and send you all the love because as much as I felt alone after all of this ended, I realized that, nope, I wasn't the whole time. You know, I mean, God, God's got you most importantly, he's got you right in the palm of his hand. And there are many of us that have gone through it with, with you. So Amen. Well, I will pray that for you, that you guys can open that because that would be incredible. And so I'm hopeful you guys could definitely do it. I believe that you could with your credentials and background. And mamas, if you need help, if you need someone to talk to, feel free to write me. My Instagram is at lindsay.myestis or at living easy podcast, or you can find Lindsay on Instagram at loving and living with Lindsay. So thank you so much, Lindsay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too, so don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.myestis. Love you guys.